When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Well, hello, boys and ghouls. Welcome to uh, Expounded Universe. That was weird. I know. That was weird. Why did I do that? Why would you possibly do that? This isn't a scary episode. <laughs> Nothing spooky happens. Well, it's perfect for Tales from the Crypt, then. That show was tame. <laughs> I mean, the HBO one was fine. I've only I only ever saw the one episode, and I've described it more times than I can count because of how often we've come up on the show before. Yeah, well. We're a blind lumberjack is really oh, he gets blinded by a jealous husband and then he ends up chopping through trees that have his his former lover and her husband or her, her jealous husband in them because uh, it's ironic punishments you see yeah but nothing about it was scary well no i mean tales from the crypt was almost always like what if there was a spooky comeuppance yeah <laughs> It was just comeuppances. It was just Final Destination, but, you know, less fun. Yeah, what if you focused so much on this thing that you ignored this other thing? <laughs> yeah, and I love that. <laughs> and who wouldn't? Mm-hmm. So, uh, I'm Jeff. That's John. John, how are you? I'm doing good. Now that you've reminded me of Tales from the Crypt, I'm doing great. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I'm Jeff, and that's John. Uh-huh, uh-huh. and I'm doing great. Good. Good. <laughs> And Tales from the Crypt was a show. That's right. Mm-hmm. This is also a show. This is a show. Theoretically, we have a we have a story to tell. <laughs> Theoretically, we have a story, and there are so many twists and turns, and people will come up and. St- <laughs> yeah, this is the one where we have the ironic punishment delivered to Admiral Triggett. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> the lad's too fancy for his own good. Yeah, he is now caught in an eternal cravat. <laughs> Oh, heavens! <laughs> uh, but but I must say, is this Tweel? <laughs> now you must work the rest of your days in a peasant garb. <laughs> My skin shall chafe. <laughs> He's not even in this one, sadly. Sad to say. No. Uh, instead, we are picking up right where we left off, which was a very confusing place to leave off. It was a very odd plan that our heroes had constructed after they got knocked out of hyperspace from a weird little bomb uh, that could pull them out of hyperspace and also ion blast them and also EMP them. Yes. And we learned during these chapters that that thing is a regular thing and it's called an Empion mine. Yeah. And they, you know, had a whole bunch of trouble, but they had a whole plan where they were like, all right, 
we're all fucked up and definitely you don't put a bomb like this unless you're going to come after whoever tripped it yeah so we only we have a time limit and we're our whole plan is to get a smuggling compartment from our the rana their shuttle their shuttle and then put a guy in there with a gun from an X-Wing and an R2 unit strapped to the top of it and the guiding jets from the ejection seat. And you're like, why? Yeah, especially because by the time... Here's here's the thing. This to me feels very much like a, like a D&D thing where you know there's an ambush coming and then you spend far too much time prepping. God knows, I have definitely been in games where it's like, all right. What do you need to do? We need to get into this building and find a guy. All right, let's spend the next seven hours talking about how we get into the building. And there's always, you know, usually you know, someone like you or me is like, how about we just go in there? Yeah, how about we open the door and walk inside? And they're like, but what if any number of things happen? Well, then we are heroes and we will deal with it. Exactly. We won't. We'll waste resources, which is the point of them. It'll be fine. But you can kind of just like, I almost feel like I can picture the dm of this star wars campaign as their temperature and pressure levels rise as the people are like we're gonna build a tiny x-wing out of the parts of broken x-wings and we'll put a man in it and we'll give it a gun and we'll put a droid on the outside how do we handle orbital steering mechanics so that it doesn't overcorrect? oh i know i'll ask kel tainer if he has any ideas about how to do that when he says no we'll come up with a different idea based on using the droids adjustment attitude filters and you can just see that the the DM just slightly steaming off in the background, like for fuck's sake, it's two Tie Fighters. You guys have to deal with two Tie Fighters. You could have, you could have just done this normal style, and it would have been fine. Especially because by the time we're done, and they have successfully crafted their ship that they lovingly call the Lunatic, which again is it's basically a flying locker room. It's pretty much a I locker. Mean, even the way they describe it, they're like, it's pretty much just a coffin with some jets on it uh-huh. and a gun strapped to it and an R2 unit on top. You know what else they have by the time they're done building it? Eleven working X-Wings. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, part of me is like, I guess if you, because they were assuming uh, that the thing that would show up was, is the implacable. Exactly. Something bigger is coming. Yeah, that they'd be like, oh, well, the thing that's going to show up to check this out is going to be a fucking Star Destroyer with a full complement of TIE Fighters and a battery of turbo lasers, and 11 of us aren't going to matter. Yeah. And the only thing we can do is try and sneak this little fucking suppository up the ass of this. Mm -hmm. But even then, I'm like, so... They mentioned that, like, maybe part of the plan is, oh, if we can get in there, maybe we send off a distress signal to the New Republic from that ship. Yeah. And I'm just like, why? No, I get that. That's the suicide move. That's like, all right, we're doomed. There's our, our ships like the X-Wings sort of work. They're not perfect. They can't go back to hyperdrive and escape. I mean, but, they could, but they're very low on fuel. Yes. Yeah, so they, got, they, they have nowhere they can really go. But there is a lot of information they need to get out. Like the attack that happened on Folor Base, they need to make sure people know. I mean, uh, granted, there will be survivors of that attack who got out in the transports who will know about it. But also, Mostly they just need to tell people about the Empion mines. Yes, they need to tell people about the mines. They need to tell people about Trigget. They've got stuff they need to do. So if, if they're all going to die anyway, getting that last message to the New Republic is probably a great idea. Although you could also just do that by putting any one of the droids in an X-Wing and just shooting it towards Coruscant and being like, yeah, you're going to go with sublight, but transmit a signal until something finds you. Yeah, it's... And the fact that, like, oh, yeah, and we'll just shove this into whatever the docking area is for all of the X-Wings and or the TIE Fighters and whatnot. Mm-hmm. And then 
you know, whoever's in there can get out and get to some place to send a message. And I'm like, if it actually is a Star Destroyer, that thing has so many goddamn people on yeah. it. There is a 0% chance that you pop out of a locker that landed in the hangar and that you don't just immediately get vaped. Yeah, given that there's like a standard complement crew on even like a smaller class of Star Destroyer is in the thousands. Yeah. Yeah, and- it, it's a weird choice. But hey, they're desperate, and they're in desperate situations. But hey, they uh, <laughs> they decide, like, okay, who are we going to send in? And one of the big problems they have is the actual, like, to-be-in-space, climate-controlled, good environmental spacesuits. Mm-hmm. Are, they are too bulky to fit inside this locker-sized ship they have. And they're like, oh, no, what are we going to do? And they decide to send Piggy. You know, Gamorreans, notoriously not bulky. Yes. It's funny. They're like, a spacesuit won't fit in this, but a guy the size of a spacesuit will fit in this. We I just was can't so put a angry. spacesuit on him. So fucking angry. And they're like, oh, spacesuit with its little, like, sections for jets and all the fuel and everything you need to keep it breathing? Mm-hmm. Why, that's way too bulky. And then Piggy's like... Uh, I'll just wear my regular flight suit and go into it. And they're like, that's just crazy enough to work. Yeah. Basically, but why? The story You're there... bigger than a regular suit. <laughs> they managed to fix Piggy's voice box translator thing. So we could come over and help. He's like, hello, I, I can talk again. They're like, oh, hey, it's nice to be able to hear you. Yes. Uh, Grinder was very helpful and squeaky as well in fixing me. Um, Grinder and squeaky are my two, <laughs> my two pals. <laughs> uh, we're a dangerous crew <laughs> we roll five deep in the club <laughs> i mean if three dudes came up to you and like yeah we're piggy grinder and squeaky i'd be like yeah do you need my wallet or what's I'd go- be like are you are you greasers from the 50s <laughs> what is going on here <laughs> okay fine which one of you is the one who doesn't know how to sit in chairs and which one of you is the angriest lesbian <laughs> see we went to very different places i'm imagining like Full grease the musical level, like ah, I'm grinder, and this here's piggy and squeaky, and I'm yeah. like, yeah, one of you's got a switchblade that's an actual comb. I think there's probably a lot of similarities between people who have switchblades and combs, and people who you were afraid of stealing all the mimosas at brunch. <laughs> <laughs> Danny Zuko, notoriously terrible to take to brunch. <laughs> he would be. <laughs> I mean, that's because Danny Zuko would be terrible to take anywhere, because Danny Zuko sucks. I know. (laughs) Big opinions coming out, swinging on this episode. Anyway, he's fixed. He can talk again. So he's like, yeah, also I should be the one to go. And they're like, why? And he says, well, okay, humans hate it, but I'm really fat. And I was like, okay, I I hate that your first point you make when you point out that Gamorreans have giant bodies because they're they're pig-like or whatever is that humans dislike it like own your truth man you don't need to know whether or not humans think you're grody i mean i get it you've got some internalized body dysmorphia because you were raised outside of a gamorian society yeah that's fine it's fine i get it i understand (laughs) but But also the fact that he's like i am fat and therefore humans would survive for like two minutes in space in a regular space like pilot suit but i could survive for a half hour like that's not how fat works (laughs) Imagine if that was how it worked. All these fat astronauts we send up specifically. Yeah. They'll survive vacuum slightly longer. Hey, man, I got to tell you, I'm a big fat dude. And if I go outside and it is remotely under 50 degrees, I'm like, God damn, it's chilly. Like, it ain't helping, brother. 
What, you aren't just hiding behind your insulating beluga blubber layers? <laughs> yep, that's how being fat works. <laughs> yeah. Ugh. I shall survive for an extra half hour. Plus, I'm a rad pig man, and you know it, so just fucking let me do this. I mean, if you could fit Piggy in there anyway, I'd be like, yeah, send Piggy, because of the people you would want to send in to do this mission, it would be him or Hohas. Yeah. Because you'd want two of the physical powerhouses. Runt doesn't even get mentioned. I'm like, did he, like, get away or something? He, he is not no, mentioned man, fine. once. Yeah. In the in this this set of article or the, these two chapters, he isn't mentioned once. No, because he has nothing to do. Yeah. Like, he does not have a job on the commando squad that matters. Yeah. His, his job is, like, muscle. Yeah. And that's why I was like, oh, it probably should be him or Piggy, because their whole deal is, you're the physical badasses. Mm-hmm. But Piggy's also smart, so sorry. I would love it. He was like, I should be the one to go. There is a 0.1% chance that the crew will be Gamorrean, and I will be able to blend in. <laughs> you never know. The You know, the Empire, real keen on hiring lots of Gamorreans. <laughs> they were in that one book. Ah. The one where they made a bunch of smart Gamorreans. God, I wish I was in that book. <laughs> uh, but yeah, he decides... I'm chunky, so you can keep me in here for longer. Because the entire thing is like, oh, we're only going to be able to crap a guy out next to the broken X-Wing that is pretty much the bait. Yes. And then you have to be in a smuggling compartment so they don't detect life signs. It doesn't matter if they detect that the R2 unit works because our two, our two units, units are supposed to be yeah. able to handle being in vacuum. They're basically the black box of the X-Wing, but they are constantly cursing at you. <laughs> yeah, if the black box hated you, yeah. that's an R2 unit. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> and they have to, like, put them in place before whoever is going to get here gets here, so it's important that they can stay there for a while, because they're like, oh, you know, if we hear chatter that they're coming but it takes them an extra couple minutes to get there anyone else would be frozen to death by the time so we have to do piggy i'm surprised they don't just think to install some kind of super powered i guess there's nothing to heat there's no atmosphere so there's no way to heat that but yeah um okay so what we're gonna do is create uh an atmosphere around this as well (laughs) pump it full of air (laughs) now what we're gonna do is make an entire bigger spaceship out of the smaller spaceships we have yeah there's also a couple points throughout the, this uh, these two chapters where our, our whole operation just stops to hear a fun story about someone's past. And we get one here from Cover who points out that this is not the ugliest or stupidest thing he's ever built that can go in space. Uh, he was like, oh, yeah, I've always been an engineer. When I was a little boy, I built a ship that was even stupider than this that I got into space with. Almost died, though. <laughs> I mean, he also was like, oh, this is... This isn't near the dumbest or most dangerous thing I ever built. That was the first still I made, and that thing was way more dangerous than this. <laughs> yep. <laughs> and now it's time. I guess we could just jump ahead to the plan. Oh, the uh, by the way, we also know because Ton Fainen is the one who took the most damage in the bomb crash. Yeah, he's, he's the one who always takes damage. Plus, yeah. he got you know all those little parts and bits that have been replaced and that does not go well when you get hit by an ion slash emp blast also his x-wing is unrecoverable yeah Uh, out of everybody's his is the one where they like just can't fix it so they've been stripping it for parts anyway and given that it's his droid that is strapped to the lunatic uh which is uh that gives us the story of gadget the droid in this in uh in this book gadget the sexy mouse droid (laughs) Beepity boop. 
Yep. <laughs> That's how mouse droids get sexy. Beepity boo. <laughs> no, I was just picturing it. That was what I was saying. <laughs> When that was me a, passing in a car. When I like see asshole. a sexy mouse droid, I roll my window yeah. down and go, hey, beepity boop. <laughs> TFW when you pass a sexy mouse droid. Wow. Mm. Well, sure. Why not? You're the one who brought HackWrench into this. It wasn't my idea. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so uh, so anyway, this is where this is our setup. We then cut back to Wedge becoming the main character for a couple of seconds because he's sitting there with his X-Wing strapped to one of the many highly rotating asteroids that orbit Zobom 6, the yeah. planet they're stuck on. All the all the other working, like, 11 X-Wings are just powered down mode, hanging out, waiting to see what happens. Yeah, all waiting on various asteroids being spun around. And we, we, we're in Wedge's perspective so he can damn kids this this situation again where he's just like, I'm used to sitting on a dumb spinning asteroid just zoning out till something happens. That's the X-Wing lifestyle. Yeah. I bet these the, kids are losing their minds without their Nintendo Xboxes. Jansen and Donos might be aware of what to do. They're okay, but everyone else is probably high strung. But they should know. Mm-hmm. You need to take a nap whenever you can get it. Yeah. And also, maybe have some good greens and... Uh, work on your fiber. <laughs> Just picture the lawnmower repair you're going to do when you get home. <laughs> Just think about how good it's going to be to get back to grilling some birds. All those stupid other X-Wing pilots in my squadron are spending all their time on the phone arguing over who's the hottest Cory in the Tiger Beat. Not me, not Wedge. Not 29-year-old Wedge. <laughs> By the way, it was my birthday. Constantly talks like he's a 70-year-old man in this. <laughs> yes. <laughs> But uh, he's he's hanging out as the uh, all the X-Wings are waiting in power down mode, which doesn't turn off their communication, but does make it that the further out you are from the middle, the harder it is to hear what's going on. Yeah. Uh, and he gets a call from Five, who I think is Kel. Yes. And it's not much. Kel's just asking him yet more boring what if questions. <laughs> <laughs> uh, what if it's the Sun Crusher that comes and he's got a dinosaur taped to the outside <laughs> and he bites our butts? Well, then I guess our butts will be bitten. <laughs> But then after a couple of minutes of that, we pick up the, the signal. Yeah. We get uh, Jasmine, of course, on our comms is like, hey, quick short burst. Uh, go ahead and get Piggy in place. I've got some incoming Imperial chatter that's encrypted. Mm-hmm. So uh, let's let's all be ready to go. And they, the little shuttle they have goes up and craps out <laughs> Piggy in his little coffin mm-hmm. and then fucks along. Yep, so Piggy has... He, he's carrying a belt power pack, which powers this whole thing. Um, it doesn't have its own power system. It's just coming... It's just radiating off of what he's got strapped to him. And he goes out and squishes himself into this. And as soon as he does, the power starts. And so it, when he gets into it, at first, he's spinning wildly in place because any momentum he had when he when he got it was transferred to it. But then the moment he powers up, it stabilizes immediately. So now he's, he crawls in, gets in there. He has to operate this thing lying down on his back. Yeah, I mean, he is full just coffin mode. He is, like, just lying down. He's got a data pad in front of his face Mm -hmm. so that he can communicate with uh, Gadget. Yes, and Gadget is just freaking out. Gadget's like, "Uh, there is a chance I may not survive this mission. And he's like, yeah, relax, Gadget. You'll survive. You'll be fine. (laughs) Whatever. You're a droid. No one gives a shit. (laughs) I am a sentient life form. Yeah, no one cares. (laughs) I am married and have three droid children. (laughs) Yeah, we'll that's get great. their pictures. 
Oh, that's beautiful. None of that matters. I don't consider you an actual being. <laughs> Say their names. <laughs> ah, what are they called? Uh, Beepus Boopus? Don't care. Yes, although that is offensive. I did name them Beepus and Boopus. You are very lucky. <laughs> you son of a bitch. The third one's name is Joshua. <laughs> that means with God. <laughs> <laughs> okay uh beepus boopus and joshua coming in the next book <laughs> uh, so he's uh he, he's talking to to gadget and gadget's like yeah they're gonna detect i'm i'm functional and he's like yeah of course they will uh, you're designed to survive crashes that's the whole point they don't care they'll be like "Ooh, sweet free astromech you know you know and i know what you are your property yeah, <laughs> we both understand what's going on here. Yeah. And he's like, oh, but what should I say when they try to ask me questions? He's like, just fucking tell them the truth, except for the good bits. Yeah, yeah. tell them exactly what you should have, that there was a big crash and you were caught. and you're, Your pilot yeah. fucked off. You don't know what happened to him and yeah. you're just chilling. You're the sole survivor. There was an explosion when they arrived. There you go. Tell them that. Also, are they close enough? And Gadget's like, yeah, probably. Uh, if we do a perfect shot, we're close enough. Also, at this point, the ships come close enough to disgorge a pair of TIE fighters and to resolve itself, not as a, tie, uh, as a Star Destroyer like they expected, but simply a Corellian Corvette. Yeah, one of them old Tanty 4 types. Yeah, the first Star Wars ship you ever see. So good. Mm-hmm. With its big old hammerhead and all that. Uh, and it's it's coming in, so it's it's a smaller ship. Whatever, it's it's big, but it's a smaller ship. Yeah. Uh, right as it disgorges the two Tie Fighters, Piggy activates all the equipment he needs. The ship starts auto correcting. He's he's like trying to pay attention and use his computer functionality. But when the ship starts adjusting to fire itself into the hangar bay, it is jostling him around enough that he's like in a gyroscope and he can't do shit. Well, yeah, because there's no like he's not strapped in. He doesn't have any sort of inertial anything's on there so the second he hits the button that's like all right shoot me towards the hangar bay he just like slams his head into the top and is like yeah. god damn it ow <laughs> fuck out thank goodness for my insulating layer of fat that humans find unattractive my big fat head <laughs> which again would be found unpalatable by human standards <laughs> along with my huge green penis <laughs> mm, even better cold <laughs> That's terrible. <laughs> but he goes for the road. <laughs> rocketing towards the hangar bay and manages to make it. But of course, he is just sort of aiming where he, like, he was like, all right, send me that way. And is just sort of hoping that the droid will take over because, like we said, he is getting just absolutely knocked around in there. And mm -hmm. it does not help when he slams into the floor of the hangar bay. Yes, yes. So he's taking some serious knocks. Luckily, he is Piggy, and he is obviously the best character in this book. So he'll be fine. Yeah. He goes slamming in there, and he's like, God, fuck, ow. I would read a thousand Piggy adventures. While he is going in there, fucking Gadget is just like, Wah! You know that noise that droids make? Yeah. <laughs> Just absolutely freaking the fuck out. And he's like, God damn it, chill out. Please calm down or at least die quietly. <laughs> Please power down. You are a machine. <laughs> Do not deign to speak God's language. 
Uh, and then he hears, uh, eventually he hears Gadget screaming, but it's not over the comm anymore. It's just outside of his ship. So he's like, oh, I'm in atmosphere. Oh, I landed. Okay, cool. I guess I made it. I'm not dead because I'm in an atmosphere. Oh, yeah. He gets a point when he goes through the hangar bay where I guess when he had did it, he was oriented such that he was pointing down because the second he gets into a gravity area, he's just like, ow, I'm on my head. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And eventually, he's got two guns with him, a blaster cannon, which I guess is the straight up the X-Wing cannon. Yeah, he has a six-foot-long stripped-down X-Wing cannon and a blaster Another pistol. reason it had to be Piggy who went on this mission, because he can run around with that blaster cannon and just carry it and shoot people with it. Yeah. Uh, Unfortunately, when he kicks his way out of the ship, one of the things that gets scraped out on, on the way out is his power pack. So now he's not speaking English anymore. He's speaking Gamorrean. No. There's a moment where he's like, no, oh, he just he cusses in Gamorrean. Yeah. He hears it in Gamora, and he's like, what? Oh, hold on, my power pack for stuff. And he, and he manages to retrieve it, yeah. So so he gets back to speaking English. Uh, there's not that many people. There's technicians who are running away from whatever this thing is. I think they probably assume it's a bomb. Oh, yeah. Well, I mean, if you're like, oh, let's go check this thing out. And then a, a cylindrical object goes screaming in there. You're like, that's a missile. That's, We're yeah. dead. Nope, no thank you. <laughs> I'm going to leave before that explodes. And it only gets more scary when instead a Gamorrean kicks his way out. <laughs> I thought that cannon. was going to be an explosion, but it is a green pig man. <laughs> I am calculating the possibilities of your deaths. It's a lot. They go up by 0.2% if I kill this droid as well. And I will. <laughs> its life means nothing because it has no life. <laughs> it's like saying I will kill a toaster. <laughs> it's a soulless automaton. <laughs> An approximation of life, but not a true one. Ha ha ha! Piggy does not care for you. <laughs> oh, this isn't true. He, evolved, he, he, he says he's going to save Gadget's life and everything. But yeah, he just starts getting into a big fight. There's two stormtroopers. Yeah. Just two. In, in this whole fucking thing. I mean, I guess that are already down there. Yeah. There are two. Because he just gets out and is immediately like, ah, oh, fuck, shit. Two yeah. guys shooting at me. So he takes a hit early on, or, or I think he just gets burned by something. Or Oh, that's right. It's when he shoots open the ceiling that he gets burned by hot metal falling on him. Yeah. But here he's just getting shot at, and there's there's blaster bolts hitting around him. And in an attempt to get away from them and protect himself, he grabs his weaponry, starts firing shots to kind of cover himself, and then runs over to the nearest TIE fighter, which is hanging on one of those hangar things that they use to keep them stabilized and in hangar bays. I said hanging a lot there. And starts shoving the entire ship so that it's it's the arc of its wing will act as a shield for him. Yeah, so, you know, he's taking cover, but as soon as he's like, oh, these guys are going to split up and try and flank me. All right, well, I'll use the wing as a shield, break the holds that are on these, and then just start pivoting the whole goddamn TIE fighter mm -hmm. on one bracket. And, you know, turns it one direction, finds one of the stormtroopers, Kills that guy. Mm -hmm. I was like, all right, and now to keep turning, eh, there's the other guy. <laughs> and kills him too, just one after another by using basically a, 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 a mounted TIE fighter as a turret, although he's not shooting the TIE fighter's guns. No, it's guns. just a big shield. He's, he's using, using its yeah. uh, TIE wing as a shield. Yes, kills both the, the uh, stormtroopers. Like, okay, great. Now, what do I know about Corellian corvettes? Well, I have memorized their layouts. <laughs> so I know that directly above me is the luxury officer quarters. I'll get up on top of the TIE fighter and blast a hole, and then I'll get into there and hide and make my way to the communication chamber. Well, it's <laughs> above where he is. He's like, oh, there should be guys like... Sleeping chambers there, and then above that should be where the bridge yes. is, so I can blast through 
And if it doesn't go all the way through the bridge, I'll climb up, go there, and then blast up again. Yes. <laughs> but he gets up on top of the TIE fighter, gets a couple feet away from the, from the ceiling of this thing, points an X-Wing cannon up, and just holds down the trigger, and gets a bunch of hot metal all over himself that he tries to ignore, and then clambers through... And realizes that he shot not into the luxury quarters, because this ship doesn't have those. Yeah. Which would make sense if you think about it, because uh, there isn't normally TIE fighter hangers on a Corellian Corvette either. They had to clear a lot of space out to make room for those. Yeah, so he just is like, all right, let's see what's going on here, and just climbs onto the bridge. Yeah. And everyone there is like, what in the actual Christ is going on? He's like, all right, before you guys decide to do anything... I am pointing an entire X-Wing gun at a window. Either you surrender or I kill all of us. Yes. And they're like, God damn it. Also, they don't have any leadership because it turns out that the hole he made was was made out of the captain of this ship. Yeah, he blasted a hole right through the ass of the captain. Mm -hmm. So he is currently basically a carbonized skeleton on top of the ceiling of the uh, cabin. Stuck to the roof. He's up on the ceiling there, and later on in the story, he will sort of wetly slip <laughs> off and fall through the hole. down. <laughs> they send Fallon Sandskimmer to clean him up uh, because she's seen grosser. She doesn't care. She's Whatever. Hey. <laughs> Farm Tatooine girls make far- do. <laughs> <laughs> That's what we should have called the episode. <laughs> but yeah, the, uh, the whole thing just is like, all right, well, I own this ship now. Yeah, so then he, they all get a call from the, cor- the the Corvette out on the X-Wings. The X-Wings have, meanwhile, without even taking off, because some of them can't, have uh, blown up those two TIE fighters. Yeah, because as soon as Piggy makes his mad dash, they're like, all right, well, we got to kill the TIE fighters. Yeah, well, because, they offer them surrender. Well, they're like, all right, we can't let the TIE fighters blow up Piggy, because that's yeah. the big thing. If they can get a shot off on that fucking coffin, they don't have anything. Yes, and so Wedge pops up on the on the, the on the mic. By the way, one thing that we didn't mention is that they've set up a distress beacon using face as in his super acting capabilities to pretend to be a wounded Ty or X wing pilot. Except he is so good acting though. I mean, face isn't wounded; he's fine. Uh, yeah, but he is he is a downed X wing pilot who is alive. <laughs> but he pretty he acts. He's like, help! I need I need oh, real I'm help. Panicked. I'm panicked. Ah. I'm panicked and scared and 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 I hope this is believable. I hope someone will come and save me. I don't really care if you save the droid. It's just <laughs> material project, project <laughs> objects, and I don't, I don't really care one way or another. You could replace it with anything. <laughs> but do save my luggage. There's human beings in there, human being belongings in there, more valuable than droids. <laughs> I've got a cool picture in there that I took of a rock, and I, <laughs> I care for that more than this R2 unit. Uh, anyway, um, so Wedge offers these two guys surrender, but they just turn and start firing, so... They just get vaporized immediately by all these hidden X-Wings stuck to every rock nearby. And then they get a phone call that's just like, hi, it's Captain Vort Sabingring of the, uh, I, I don't even know what kind of ship this is, Nightcaller. I'm the boss now. Would you like to come aboard? <laughs> Look at me. I am the captain now. <laughs> Again, that's going to lead to a weirdly long digression. That is way too long of a digression where I was like, Wedge, you know this was a joke. You don't need to do this for two pages. What are you doing? What are you, a droid? Do we have to not care about you anymore? <laughs> because, yeah, once they all get on board, uh, he's like, hey, congratulations, everybody. You did an amazing job. I want to single out and specially thank uh, Kel Tainer, uh, Face, and Piggy for, for the, pulling off this amazing uh, boarding and, and takeover. And, and uh, Piggy goes, can I keep the ship? And, and Wedge, rather than going, ha, nice one, 
let's get some let's get some shut eye or whatever you know you should say goes yes actually but and then not as a personal possession but you could commission yourself to be changed duty from x-wing pilot over to a ship that you have commandeered now you see in subsection 12 of the alliance you're like jesus christ wedge and even when Piggy goes, you know this was a joke, he's like, yeah, I know, but hold on, I'm not done yet. Now, I may not be a fleet expert, but pulls down fleet chart. <laughs> <laughs> now, if you wanted to do this, then of course you would be promoted probably to a lieutenant with a uh, a small upgrade to captaincy that would not be permanent, but possible upon your duties uh, under captaincy of the ship. Now, if you if you look at this flowchart here, no, they wouldn't give you interesting frontline jobs immediately because you still have to prove yourself and the, the uh, veracity of your vessel and so on. So you'd probably start out doing mostly mining escort runs and repair and brig, brig escort missions and so on. And, and probably in a year or two, you could make full-fledged captain if you wanted to. Obviously, this all dates back to the fact that the New Republic used to be the alliance to restore the, rebe- or the rebellion to restore the alliance, which had its roots in piracy, which is why we still have a privateering and uh, ship ownership model of who is a captain of what. And the whole crew is just like staring open mouthed at him like, why are you explaining all this? No, it's 100 percent. Like, you went to a museum and saw a tank that they let you get in, and you're like, hey, can I drive this home? And then your friend went, well, funny enough, you know, in World War II, and then just <laughs> gave you a full list of tank specs and how they used to, like, steal tanks, and you're like, I didn't ask that. That was a shitty joke. Yeah. You're a dumbass. Wedge explaining why people usually don't tell jokes in in earshot in public. Because you don't want some rando to turn around and be like, well, actually, that is the one tank here in the museum that does have a working engine. It's not the kind of engine you'd expect, though. Normally, those had a Pratt & Whitney, but that one has an Allison supercharger. <laughs> You're like, don't care. I don't care. I, I, I don't care. I'm waiting for a, for a break in the conversation so I can tell you thanks and turn around. I know. I can sense that. That's why I will not stop talking. Or I'm going to talk by breathing air in like a goddamn treant. <laughs> Look, I would be amazing at filibustering, but right now all I want to do is tell you shit you don't care about. It's so weird. For what? like a page and a half, Wedge is just going on about how the like fucking necromonger you keep what you kill rules work. Yeah. And then eventually Piggy's like, no, man, I'm just gonna be an X-Wing pilot. And he's like, okay. He actually has a fucking reason, like like, I guess Piggy finally gets into the spirit of this, because he's like, no, I would choose to prefer to be an X-Wing pilot, because while people remember the names of Lando and, and Wedge Antilles, who destroyed the Death Star 2 at Endor, no one remembers who was the captain of or admiral in charge of the Home 1, the large Corellian, or the uh, Mon Calamari ship that was also present. And like, yeah, okay, great, good point, no one remembers the big ship. And then Wedge is like, well, I actually do know who the captain is. I know who that is. If you'll, if you'll consult my my staffing of the rebellion chart. You see, I memorized every position aboard that ship, and uh, you see, the person in charge of the main gunnery battery was, <laughs> and you're like, shut up, shut up, shut up, shut up. I really wanted Jesmond to pop in at that point and be like, yeah, we remember him because he was my uncle. <laughs> <laughs> Did you forget I'm here? And then literally, yes, they have forgotten she's there because she's the one who's still flying escort. She's out in her X-Wing still keeping the uh, the, the sensors on while everyone else has, has come aboard the ship. Yeah. But there's that'll come up later when they're like, oh, I almost forgot that we have her up there. I'm going to send Mindonos out to relieve her so her, her ship can get fueled and she can sleep. And she goes, thanks, Wedge. And he's like, oh, I forgot you oh, were yeah. on comms. <laughs> oh, yeah, you're listening to everything we say. Also, it's not super important that you remembered my uncle. He's crazy famous. 
<laughs> oh man, it is just wild that like the opening of this chapter is just the weirdest side tangent ever from Wedge. We get like this two-page explanation of how you keep what you kill in ship rules, but meanwhile, the crew of the Corellian Corvette is moved to the lounge and put under guard in a sentence. Yeah. Like, they don't have to like... Anyway, round- everyone that works here is uh, rounded up somewhere. Meh. Yeah, they don't have to do a thing about that. They don't have to like go catch or kill the rest of the stormtroopers. Nothing. We get one sentence about how they're all in a makeshift brig. And then we just move right back into another fucking long story about something else. Huh? <laughs> uh, now, right, like to begin with, they're like, all right, well, we've got enough space here to put a couple of X-Wings. So I guess we'll have a few flying around and then we can have a couple that sit in here. Yeah, we can do it in shifts. But then I guess Cubber gets a great idea and we get a, a an exciting 20-second build montage. Yeah, where he's just like, oh, you know, if I clear out just fucking everything in here, mm-hmm. just shove everything into space and put up some, like, wall mounts, we can put a shitload of X-Wings in here. We'll get rid of the TIE Fighters that are sitting here and we'll put them where the escape pods are uh-huh. because the escape pods are... Uh, on the side of the ship, so we'll just take those off of the side, put the uh, TIE Fighters on there, because if you remember from uh, New Hope, the uh, the little escape pods are basically just look like TIE Fighter balls yep. without the wings. Yeah, they're just basically TIE balls. So now they've got TIE Fighters strapped to the outside. Uh, they have an upper deck that used to be used for oh, carrying... Oh, an upper decker. Yeah. <laughs> they have an upper deck that used to be used to carry ground skimmers. But they clear that out and manage to shove two X-Wings in there. Then they take the old TIE Fighter bay and put a bunch of sliding wall mount racks along the side so they can mount the X-Wings by their wings up like like Ikea furniture. Yeah, they've got like one on each of three different walls that will hold three apiece. Mm -hmm. So you've got just three stacked uh, X-Wings apiece. So you got nine in there, two more where they had skimmers. And two TIE Fighters on the outside. Yes. So they have a crew of, they have 11 TIE Fighter or 11 X-Wings and two TIE Fighters. But they still have the escape pods stored in a bomb bay. And, uh, and this is, this is just going on forever as they describe the process by which Kel keeps getting rotated back into being the engineer who has to work on with this on cover. Meanwhile, Grinder is going through the code base on the ship and is like, dude, Piggy's a fucking amazing badass. He killed the captain and made everyone surrender so fast they didn't have time to flush their system. I have everything they had. Yeah, they couldn't hit the dump info button. They couldn't send out a distress call. As far as Warlord Zinge is concerned, because obviously this is a Zinge ship, and he's mm-hmm. like, yeah, obviously. Under subcommand of Trigget, who this is their first time hearing about. But they don't know we have this. And we have their full schedule of what they were supposed to be doing. And they were supposed to be going and distributing Empion mines. I don't know what those are. And Wedge is like, yeah, I had Tainer rebuild one in his head the other day. <laughs> yeah, just a couple days ago, I had him build one from first principles. So let's tell him because he'll be interested in that. And this thing also like swapped out one of its big turbo laser things for a like capital ship level tractor beam. Uh-huh. Because... You know, if you're going to be placing mines, you want to be real careful with it. Yeah. So they're like, oh, yeah, they have an actual, like, you would find on a fucking Star Destroyer tractor beam rather than the rinky-dink, like, can move some fighters around ones. Yeah, it's got a good big tractor beam on it. 
And, uh, yeah, also I have all this detail. I have, I have modern imperial codes. I have all of the information that we were supposed to be going through. And Wedge is like, okay, great. We are connected to the imperial fucking hollow net right now. This is amazing. So he's like, great. You go take Face and Jesmine, and the three of you go to the communication bay. Your job is to jimmy up a report that comes from the dead captain that's being scraped off the floor of the the TIE fighter bay right now uh, to say that everything's fine and nothing's crazy and we're all fine here. How are you? And then send that to to, uh, Zinj. Well, we, and he's like, I've got an idea I'm cooking up. I don't want to explain it right now, but I'll tell you because I don't care. He's like, we're just going to do their job. We'll just pretend to be them for the next five stops. Until uh, we get a chance to go murder Zinge. This is perfect. Yeah, we're just going to, you know, as far as Zinge knows, be the night caller, this mm-hmm. ship. And we're just going to go around to the places we were supposed to go around to and wait until we are allowed to get near him. Because uh, we find out when Kel has a conversation with Jesmond that he's like, oh, can we just send a message to Zinge and then trace the like call back? And they're like, no, all of the calls go through a whole relay system, so there's no telling where the fuck he actually is. Yeah, and, and Tainer's like, oh, oh, right. I shouldn't be asking you stupid questions, should I? You're the communications expert, and all I know is bombs. She's like, that's fine. Face already asked me that same question a minute ago. <laughs> I get it. Nobody knows what the fuck they're doing but me when it comes to this. It's fine. <laughs> the only difference between me and you is I'm not going to get all bravado style about it. I'm not going to be like, well, you should know that I'm the best of the best. I'm just going to go. No, it's because of this, and yeah. uh, and you can figure it out on your own. Yeah. And Face, meanwhile, is laughing his ass off because they've got uh, the hollow recording of, I, I can't remember his name, but the dead captain of the ship who recorded all of his, his uh, captain's logs in full hollow. Uh, I guess he had a special memory unit installed just to store this shit. Yeah. And he's useless. He's just, he's got a crappy ship that he's using as a mine layer. Yeah, but his whole thing is he's like, oh, he is full, like, big bad villain monologuing in every one of his fucking diary entries because for some reason he's like yes and this shall bring about the glorious beginning of the new empire you're like dude you are like a delivery man i don't know what your deal is but you have gotten very huffed up on your own farts he's a believer but they're like, oh, Jesus Christ, this sucks. But it's going to be real easy to recreate, at least, because we've got a full set of Hollow Suite recordings of him. So we know exactly what he looks like and how he sounds, and I can act like him. So this isn't going to be a problem. But then they make the mistake of asking Face, like, isn't Damn, this-, is this the biggest ego you've ever seen? And then he's like, no, because I have another two-page digression to tell you. One, One time, time <laughs> I sat in Admiral Isard's lap. And then... And- I was was not thinking, oh, he was a child actor. I was like, damn, you get some? What's, <laughs> were you a, a good boy and mommy was going to give you some uh, some loving? Or? One thing people don't remember about Admiral Isard is that she's nine feet tall and muscular <laughs> as hell. <laughs> Muscle mommy invited me in one day. <laughs> oh, mommy, I'm ever so delighted. <laughs> and I tried to throw my arms around her neck and I couldn't because she's like a redwood. Huh? But no, he was like, oh, one of the first ever propaganda videos I did when I was a little kid was a video about how I was the son of some old, like, uh, Republic holdout, like, uh, rich people. Yeah. And 
I've wanted to go join the new and great and very good empire, but they wouldn't let me. And when I tried to go run away with the emperor himself, Mm -hmm. they shot me in the back. And then the emperor cradled me in his arms and was like, no, what a tragedy. I promise you, boy, I promise you, we will hunt down all of these evil holdouts from the old evil republic. We'll get them. And I'll I'll make sure your wishes to see a grand empire fulfilled. Mm Mm-hmm. And uh, they're all laughing. They're like, that's fucking stupid. He's like, yeah, it was the early days of imperial propaganda. They weren't great at it yet. Uh, but <laughs> They hadn't what, quite figured out the tone they wanted. Yeah. And people didn't realize that the emperor was a crazy fucking murder wizard. Yeah. And not someone that would be like, my dear boy, I shall avenge thee. Yeah. <laughs> Just imagine it would actually happen. Ah, this guy, I'm getting dead kid on me. Ah, oh, ah, oh, jeez. Ah, oh, no. Could somebody just... Does dead kid come out with club soda? <laughs> I got a gin and tonic. Will that work? Is this kid like 90% dead? Because I can still Vader him. <laughs> hey, hey, mom and dad, do you mind if I, uh, you know, droid this kid up a little? I'm going to Vader him up just a snot, a snooch. <laughs> come on. He was trying to get to me. He's my property now. That's how that works, right? <laughs> Plus, when I'm done with him, he'll be like 100% property. He'll be more machine than man. Yeah. You know our laws. <laughs> you know how this works. <laughs> but, uh... But he's like, yeah, so anyway, that that movie won a shitload of awards, and so I was supposed to be sent to Coruscant to go meet the Emperor for real, and not the actor who plays him, but the day I did, he was getting, like, really bad news about some alliance thing, like, he realized how big their military was or something, and apparently it was a bad day to meet the Emperor. So instead, I didn't have to, and I got to, I got to meet Admiral Isard, and she, I got to sit in her lap, and she told me what a great Imperial boy I was. And they were like, damn, how the fuck was that? And he was like, oh, it was basically, like... Sitting in the lap of an, a lizard in human skin mm-hmm. that wants to eat you. I, I always have trouble, or I started having trouble with this one just because I was like, that's a great story and everything, but it makes Isard feel like she's been around since like the very beginning of the Empire. Yep. Which is weird to me, but sure, I guess that's fine. I thought she was kind of a later addition. I I honestly am like, I thought she would be, I, I wouldn't have even thought at the beginning of the Empire she would be in an admiral position. I think I had thought her story was that she had worked her way up during the... Yeah, like she was like Tarkin's secret project or something. I mean, she was Tarkin like one has of like four secret projects. But but she was like one of Tarkin's secret projects, and so that would imply that she was already at... Not only was she not a secret project, but that she was like a big deal admiral that was worth it to trot out for like human interest stories. Yeah, it would be like, oh... This is the next best thing to meeting the Emperor, is meeting Isard. Yeah. Like, keep in mind that Isard's introduction is that she was the captain of a secret Star Destroyer buried on Coruscant that was being used as a super prison. Like, but before that, I guess she was acting as the, as the mall Santa for the Empire. Oh, oh, oh. <laughs> welcome to the Empire! Like, what? Are, these things just don't square up. So it feels weird that it's such a long-ass story about the thing that just made me go, wait a minute, that doesn't quite work. That's... Weird. Are you lying? <laughs> <laughs> I want to be like, fine, I got to sit in Tarkin's lap, but no one gives a shit about Tarkin. He was all bony. <laughs> Sat in his lap, and I think it broke his lap. <laughs> Note that I was five at the time. <laughs> oh, get it off me. Oh, no. <laughs> oh, my hip. <laughs> You're a wonderful credit to the Empire, I assume. <laughs> I assume you did something. Peter Cushing doesn't sound that old at all. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we're making Peter Cushing sound like he has already turned to dust. Yes. <laughs> 
when I think the only line I can remember of his in the movies is "You may fire when ready," which <laughs> he's fine. Uh, All right, so so yeah, we get this long this long story too. Yep, everyone's just full of information that they cannot wait to share. Makes me happy that when Tainer finally breaks off from hearing this long story about the time that someone sat in in uh, Isard's lap. He goes walking down a hallway and passes Wes Jansen, and the two of them pass without speaking to each other. Well, yeah, they don't like each other, so they're like, oh, we moved to as far to either side of the corridor as you could get without it being weird that you were doing it. Yeah, which is weird to me because, wait, who was the, was he the guy whose dad got killed? And yes. so he, that's Okay, that's what that story was. So yeah, he's avoiding Jansen, so they, they and I was like, ah, no one's like, Hey, Wes Jansen, have you ever eaten a watermelon? And he's like, well, it's a funny thing you should mention that. My grandfather invented the watermelon. You see, it was 1936 in Arcadia, California. <laughs> I've got this story. You see, when we were uh, before the Battle of Yavin, I had gotten this watermelon. And, of course, the watermelon at that time was a hard thing to get. <laughs> now, the boys down in the service crew, well, they love watermelon, let me tell you. So there I am. And you're like, oh, no. Oh, no. <laughs> Not again. Oh, I fucked up. Anything but this again. I asked anyone a question in this book. I fucked up. So he passes Jansen awkwardly and makes his way to where Mindonos is also awkwarding around as hard as he can because this poor guy got PTSD. And <laughs> again, Tainer's like, Hey, buddy, you doing all right? And Donus is like, yeah, why would I not be doing all right? I've obviously want? buried everything that was going wrong recently. Yeah. And, and he's, he's like, like you, you, your whole deal with your droid was all fucked. Is there something I needed to look at? Was there a mechanical issue? Yeah, he starts like, hey, how's Shiner? And he's like, what? Shiner's fine. What do you ask? He's over on the X-Wings. Who gives a shit? And he's like, because you were freaking the fuck out, man. When I asked you about him earlier, it seemed like it was the most important thing in the world. And then he realizes, oh, I might be treading into dangerous waters. And instead he's like, uh, is he broken? Do you need me to look at him? And yeah, he's like, oh no, there's nothing mechanically wrong. I just think it's weird that we put them in vacuum. That seems dangerous. Yeah. He, anyway, I gotta go. <laughs> That's great. Where he's like trying to collect his thoughts. He's like, oh yeah. When I had that obvious moment that only you, you know about right now. Hmm. I think it's weird. We keep them in hard vacuum. We should take better care of droids. Bye. We should put a little dome on them. Give them a hat. <laughs> Bye. <laughs> And Tainer, once again, is like, huh, what a weird dude. Not going to care about it, though. <laughs> doop, 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 doop. <laughs> well, they recruited a whole team of commandos, and they forgot to put one person on the team who's like a psychologist or a counselor or something. It would have helped. Yeah. The Suicide Squad needs a Harley Quinn. <laughs> That's not at all what this needs. <laughs> the Suicide Squad needs a Harleen Quinzel. There you go. Okay. The Suicide Squad needs someone who can climb anything. <laughs> yeah, they are definitely missing a slipknot. <laughs> I know. I think Runt can climb anything. I think that was his, that's he's why got, they... you know, climber brain. Yeah. Like all horses, he's an expert at climbing ropes. <laughs> Obviously. Yeah. <laughs> How does he fly the X-Wing with those hooves? <laughs> How do you fly an X-Wing with boxing gloves on your hands? <laughs> yeah, he's a horse with boxing gloves on. <laughs> that's the image you now need to have for Runt. I'm picturing an old Sega Genesis fighting video game where one of the fighters you could pick was a giant horse with boxing gloves on its hands. Good. Good. <laughs> so, so anyway, we do get Wedge at, at the very end of the chapter being like, hey, guys, here's the plan. We're going to pretend to be the Nightcaller. We're just going to fly around and do our business. We're not going to let anyone know anything in case they're spies. Oh, that's the other thing we need to go over in this chapter. They have a brief... Throughout the chapter, there's a runner of our, our characters discussing those... 
uh, drone things that Trigget is in charge of dispersing, yeah, the we, Mort parasites. Yeah, we do finally get a point where, because Tainer had remembered, and, you know, when an unexpected explosion happens and you're like, oh yeah, I remember a weird box that shouldn't have been there on an X-Wing, I'm going to go ahead and mention that. Mm-hmm. And they were like, hey, uh, is this thing a thing, Cubber, that should actually exist? And he's like, no, that doesn't exist on any of the X-Wings. He's like, hey, there was like a little boxy shape thing in the uh, aft, the cargo bay of the X-Wing. And Cubber's like, no, there aren't those. That's not a thing. There's never been anything like that in any X-Wing ever. And it's not on any of them right now. And he's like, okay. And then we get a moment where he's like, hey, hold on. And then Squeaky shows up and he's like, Oh, I saw one of those on on our little uh, shuttle shuttle here. Uh, It was underneath the bottom of it, and it shouldn't be there. Cover says that's bullshit, but I know he's a dumbass. (laughs) So they find it. They go down there and find it. And lucky for them, I'm going to guess that these things probably have some basic self-destruct capabilities and so on. Well, it's got hit by the mine. Got hit by the Empion mine, so it's dead. Yeah, they. it's still attached because it has, like, little bug claw pincer things on Mm -hmm. the bottom of it. And then... On top of it is like a coating of chameleon paint. So whatever it attaches to, it'll change its color to be that. Because this one is the same black color as the shuttle. And the one they saw on the X-Wing was the same color as the gray on the X-Wing. Yes. So they managed to pry it loose. And like, what the fuck is this thing? I don't know. It's got super complicated communication suite hardware in it. They do eventually basically theorize that these are probably drones that are being dispersed by the tens of thousands. Because if they activate and send out pulses, they can create a kind of 3D galaxy map of where there's stuff happening. Yeah, they're like, oh, this would absolutely be completely pointless if you were like, yeah, this occasionally just sends out a beep and says, I'm over here, if there was one of them. But if there were thousands and you were like, oh, we got five beeps from this one place and we keep getting those beeps from these places, now we know where rebel bases are where meeting places are pirate activity we can basically have a a 3d moving up to the minute map of the galaxy yeah we know where people congregate now yes and so they're like that's fucked up but we don't have time to deal with it we're gonna instead we're gonna pretend to be the crew of the nightcaller until we find a chance to strike back at zinge and you know they do go gather up the mp on mines from the places they were supposed to go to. So instead of dropping off new mines, Mm -hmm. they just take the ones that were already there. Mm -hmm. So they do, I mean, they don't mention it like they have plans for them, but I'm like, well, they've got some fucking working mines now. I'm sure that'll come in handy later. I'm sure they're probably going to throw one of these at a fucking Star Destroyer or something. Working super high-tech mines and the main character of the book is a demolitions expert. You know it's going to come together. It's going to have to happen at some point. So that's that's a thing. And plus, he'll tell a long, rambling story about the time he invented mines. (laughs) You know, one time there was a mine and I was inside of it. I tied the, so I tied the mine to my belt, which was the style at the time. It was the style at the mine. Ah, <laughs> the I've mines of jokes. Kessel, where I met and talked to that one Jedi, the Vima Deboda that used to live there. Old Vini, we called her. <laughs> Never met that one kid, though, the one who blew up all the galaxy. <laughs> the, you know, the uh, history's greatest mass murderer. Never met him. Yeah, didn't meet him. No Kip Durans. <laughs> all right, well, there you have it. That's the chapters, though. Yeah, they stole themselves a nice Corellian Corvette and are secretly wandering around and no one knows. They turned it into a base for X-Wings and now they're they're flying around pretending to be in the in the fake empire, but they're not. Yeah, that's right. They've got an entire giant ship and they're 
definitely able to pilot it with, you know, like 12 people. <laughs> mm-hmm. No worries there. Nope. They'll keep this whole thing running on that. Luckily, as Wedge points out, is, he, is they're asking what the crew rotation is going to be like. He used to fly Corellian cargo ships, and the principle is essentially the same. Great. But that's only you, and you can only be here for so long. You're going to need to... Get other people on here. Well, also, see, this is a big ship. Don't worry, because Cubber used to fly, fly Corellian cargo ships. You see, <laughs> Tainer used to blow up Corellian cargo ships. <laughs> Fainan used to be a Corellian cargo ship. <laughs> in, a, in a propaganda video, he was a cargo ship at face, one point. Yeah. <laughs> All right, so thank you so much for listening. We'll see you again real soon with yet more exciting content. But hey, why not consider that Patreon? Why not consider going to patreon.com slash system mastery and supporting us at that $4 level, which will unlock the bonus content right here where we're going to make, uh, no, we're not going to make characters. That's the other bonus content. Nope. We're going to go to Wikipedia. We're going to look well, up. We're going to make characters in Wikipedia. Mm-hmm. We're going to describe the crazy shit we find on Wikipedia to each other and to you. It's a deep dive into Wikipedia history. We do it once a week and it's a lot of fun. And, you know, you can join us for about four bucks. There's other levels of content you can unlock as well. But hey, if you can't support us financially right now, we get it. Instead, you can just rate and review on iTunes and Stitcher or just tell your friends about how great we are. That's right. Mm -hmm. Just go on there and be like, these guys talk about Star Wars and also make dick jokes or whatever. Yeah. And then, great, five stars. <laughs> Perfect. Thank you so much for doing that. <laughs> and uh, otherwise, we'll see you again real soon. And until then, I've been Elan Sleaze-Bagano. And you see, one time I had death sticks. Now, the death sticks I had at the mm -hmm. time mm -hmm. were death sticks that you couldn't normally get a hold of. Mm -hmm. Now, you see, they had cracked down in death sticks in, that no in those days. But, you know, my my friend Chili Dog, he needed some death sticks. And, of course, I'm going to help Chili Dog. Oh, yeah.